right. Well, I just want to welcome you again, if you're new, and even if you're not new, I welcome you. <laughs> People who are here every week. Um, I'm Kara, and I'm usually the music minstrel. I like to make up fun ways of saying the music person. And uh, yeah, I get the, the privilege to share words. Um, I promise not to sing them the whole time, so... Wouldn't that be an interesting thing, a musical sermon, right? How saith the Lord, he saith unto thee. Anyway, not going to do that. Um, But uh, a little bit about me. Many of you know I grew up as a pastor's kid at a megachurch, which inevitably made me the person I am today, for better or worse. Um, And this time of year, it especially brings back like specific memories. Uh, did anyone grow up doing church harvest festivals? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. And uh, my church growing up, it had to be a harvest festival though, right? Yeah. Uh, my church growing up only did it a few times. I, I remember getting older as a kid being like, oh, why can't we do that fun thing again, you know? Um, and from what I remember, my dad told me they stopped because of the controversy of Halloween around that time of the year. And in his words, more importantly, for all the work that had gone into it, which there was a lot of work, um, he said not many new people started coming to church because of it. And uh, then I also remember as a kid in Sunday school hearing about a missionary named Catherine Kuhn who reaches children in Uganda. And uh, when I first heard the name as a kid, I was picturing like a lady raccoon, basically, (laughs) you know. And uh, so I want to thank PBS and other TV shows that were very instrumental in putting life-size costumes of animals on people, you know, that talked like people uh, in other cartoons like that. But also, shout out to the original Chronicles of Narnia. Anyone? Yeah? They did have those creepy adult-sized animal costumes, too. So Catherine Kuhn, though, is a real person and not an animal. And uh, I was sad that the awakening of that reality. Um, But uh, that was the first time I learned also that people actually choose to leave their families, leave their friends, their church communities, their countries, to go to other places to tell people about Jesus. And almost always choosing a life to live without the daily comforts that we had. Uh, and back to the Catherine Kuhn thing, we even had a competition in Sunday school. Um, we would collect pennies, and it was like which class could collect the most pennies. And I, not going to lie, I thought it was, uh, I was like, what can you even buy with pennies? But when you have all those little kids collecting all the little pennies, that was a lot of pennies. Um, so glad we were able to help uh, Catherine Kuhn out with that. Um, But I just remember thinking and praying, Lord, please don't make me or ask me to be like Catherine Kuhn. I don't want to leave my family or these wonderful things. The thought of going somewhere completely new, knowing no one, that kind of terrified me. And that was the beginning of Kara's own theology of Jesus loves me too much to make me do blah, blah, blah. 
<laughs> which is a very bad theology, but it did carry me through some important milestones. Like I thought Jesus would come back before my driver's license had to happen. Very big stressor. Also, I thought that would happen before I was had to go to college. Also did not happen. Since then, I have adopted maybe a bit more, not proper, but just better theology around that idea. Um, but while these stories are, are silly, these, these stories are silly, the silly stories, um, it was the beginning of a word I eventually learned to pronounce, which is evangelism. And that was just one of those church words for me. I didn't see it anywhere else. You know, like you go to a church, evangelism, evangelize. But I learned it was a very important one. And, uh, and it's because of my experience, um, I believed a few things. I know JD has, JD and Christian and the teaching team have kind of talked about these different lenses um, that we are seeing the world and and how we how we work. And for me, um, these things that I believed were I wasn't really made to do evangelism because there were professionals who threw events or it was their whole life to do this sort of thing, going to another country and leaving all the things. So all I had to do was actually just bring people to them and then they would do the evangelizing. And I also believed I'm not really good at it. Uh, I always got nervous for the youth group events, um, specifically catered towards inviting our non-Christian friends. I felt very uncomfortable and was unsure of who I was going to invite and how, and then how our friendship would be post-event. Um, but I also felt a duty uh, because this is what Christians do, right? You know, we're, we're supposed to make more of us, right? Evangelism. Is it just me, or do your insides sort of get jumbled up when you hear this word? Where did Christians get these ideas to do these things, and why do we do these things? These are questions that I ask myself. Um, in my youth, and sort of on from there, I was also wrestling with the tension of seeing my church friends and other kids my age who called themselves Christians, but then grow up to not be Christians. So... I just it made me ask more and more questions about what is the real problem here? Were there not enough events or speakers or leaders or books or whatever in their lives to like ensure their faith? Is that a thing, you know? And why are there so many people that I know that grew up in the same spaces and places as me and have come to the opposite conclusion about who God is and how we relate to God and each other? So what really is evangelism? which is what we will focus on today. And a question I think um, all this points to is, also to like a side conversation would be like, what really is discipleship? Um, yeah. So as you can tell, I'm just maybe mildly passionate about this kind of point of conversation uh, because I also have faces and names that come to mind of friends or people who are next to me uh, not off in another country, but we're sitting next to me in school or wherever. And um, all this made me, has made me fascinated at what Jesus' example was in his short time here. So the text today that we're going to be looking at is Luke 10, 1 through 12. To give you a little context into where we are entering into the storytelling in Luke, the beginning parts of Luke share about how Jesus was born, some stories of him growing up, the beginning of his ministry, and now we enter in. Uh, the disciples 
have been with him for a bit. I like always forget that it was like only three-ish years of, of like time together. Um, following him around, watching, questioning, and learning. And he's healed many people and performed miracles. Uh, in the previous chapter to the one that we're reading, so that would be chapter 9 in Luke, Jesus has already sent out the official 12 disciples. And now he turns to the larger following, uh, what Luke calls the 72. And I chose this chapter instead of nine. I like looked at them both and I was like, they look really similar. Um, because honestly, um, like I felt like we could relate more to that. You know, it's the other people who were kind of following and going alongside Jesus and not like the, I mean, this is not what they were, the staff or like the leadership team or whatever. Like it's to the larger followers of Jesus. So Luke 10, one through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That is not very encouraging. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Interesting choices. And do not greet anyone on the road, not Minnesotan. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever they give you. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, cheese. For the worker deserves his wages. Uh, JD, uh, Pastor JD told me that um, he was sending them out like in pairs, most likely to go find jobs in different places to kind of go before um, Jesus to, to kind of, you know, meet people and have build relationship and things like that. So they really were doing other jobs. Um, do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Does anyone else in their head have um, even the dust, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you? Um, really dramatic, I feel like. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So to still say that, I will tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. I don't honestly know what that whole end part there doesn't sound very hopeful or nice. And, uh, but I didn't want to just delete it and not have it on there because I didn't like it. wanted to keep it on there. So um, I want to ask you with this, um, I'm going to read it again here without my little inserts. And uh, I want to ask you, what uh, words or phrase are jumping out around you. So pay attention to that. Ask that question. And, um, and then we'll have you talk around the tables in a moment. Uh, just a few people um, to share your thoughts on what, what we've read together here. But I'm going to jump back to the beginning of this and read it again. Luke 10, 1 through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him, to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, 
The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our, fe- from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I will tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So now I want you to turn around your table and just share um, what words or phrase, phrases kind of jumped out to you from this text and any thoughts you have with that. Try to keep your shares short so everyone has a chance to share around um, who wants to. There's no obligation to do that, but we just kind of like to have a moment here to pause and talk about the text together. All right. No, you can't get that. No, you can't get people to agree on the color of the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, here are some things. Thank you all for sharing. Um, I hope that was a a nice time of conversation. Um, Here are some things that I noticed. And I liked, I thought it was interesting, the two by two specification uh, that Jesus sends them out. uh, Because that's something that's not alone. And growing up, I felt personally, the individual pressure to carry the message, but the example here is that you're not alone. You're going with someone. Um, I also thought it was funny that Jesus said, don't take anything on the trip. Like, that doesn't seem like a very good packing idea plan for me on a journey. Um, But part of me wonders if that was in the spirit of having a humble posture, because you're a vulnerable traveler, and is there someone out there willing to see and to help? Um, uh, also, some, some of the basics here, just, just trusting in God and open to who, um, who is on the other side and who's willing to step towards in a conversation. But the peace element here, too, um, that really, I don't know, I just, somehow I haven't really heard about, like, talking with people and having, like, a peace passing back and forth. And to me that I feel like a whole lot of pressure and weight is taken off um, because, like, like it's kind of said, you know, if, if the peace is returned to you, we don't need to try a bunch of other things to try to, like, convince someone or, um, or whatever, but, you know, like, move on. And uh, I remember uh, a while back I had a friend who said to me just point blank, like, well, who made you so important? You know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's pretty humbling, you know. Like, yeah, it's not up to me, you know. I am not the Savior. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying the Savior inside of me, you know. Um, anyway, uh, so part of this, the disciple, we've been doing these shapes and other fun things, and um, I'll just show you the shape that they had. 
that's very overwhelming. And I looked at that and had no idea what to say about that. And I asked JD, what does this even mean? And he goes, uh, you know, I, I maybe kind of forgot. So, wow, someone had a lot of fine, fun, fun time putting the T's and the P's and all the things. You know, like, I can just see the person with, like, the red yarn tape on the wall being like, it's all connected. But uh, <laughs> what, I, what did strike me about this, the one thing that I took away from this that I think is helpful for us today is that key thing in the middle. And when I think of this passage, um, I kind of think about, I mean, I have a key around my neck. It's a little, you know, whatever thing. But... Uh, I'll, I guess I'll share this. The company that um, makes this, they do little words on them. And the idea is like like, like hope and love and, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know if they're really a Christian company. That doesn't matter. But um, when they used to only cost $20 and not 40 something or whatever, um, the idea is like you, you find someone who feel they need to carry this word with them or something and you give it to them. And uh, I got tired of waiting around for someone to give one to me. So I gave one to myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and the word I have around my neck is hope. And uh, I have that because of um, just my immense struggle with mental health in my life. And um, this whole conversation of discipleship and evangelism, like it, it and the passing of the peace and moving on if there's nothing there, like. I just think practically in my life, like I don't need this event, I don't need all these other things. How am I staying connected with who God is and how am I being aware and connected in the environments that I'm in? And things like hope for me are often a weakness. And, but you know, the little Christian cliche, in my weakness, he's made stronger. Um, but in these conversations of hope too, I have found a lot of times I'm able to enter into that in a way uh, that I think is only given by the Holy Spirit. So uh, to give you an example, like real life example, uh, recently I was promoted to being the packaging manager at the company I work full time at, which is O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company. And what's unusual about this to me is well, the whole story of how I even got to work there, I forgot that I applied there, you know, I'll just tell you that. And uh, I didn't have experience necessarily on a packaging line, but now, a year and a half later, I'm now the packaging manager. So I started as a bottler and flew to the top somehow. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of learning, but... Uh, so I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, <laughs> but uh, I share this with you because... I have found some crazy peace with the people that I work with. I would say like undescribable peace, the Holy Spirit peace that is being talked about in the story. Um, in my last review before I got promoted, my boss, um, and this legit made me cry, uh, said in his review about me, um, how great of a worker I was, yada, yada, yada. But then he's, what really stuck out to me was, Kara is always so positive. I don't know how she does that each and every day. So it's moments like that where you realize the God who you're carrying into all your spaces is shining through. That when you, like Pastor J.D. talked about last week, abide, when you stay connected and in relationship with God, these fruits growing from you, and some of them, I mean, the fruits of the Spirit, 
Uh, they shine out from you in ways only given from God. You know, I'm not trying here. I'm just trying to be myself and uh, stay connected with God in these moments and in these places. So, and that's where people start to see that the kingdom is near. So I want to challenge with you, um, maybe just ponder and, and talk around the table just for a few minutes about uh, Are there areas or relationships or um, situations where you maybe see the kingdom of God breaking through, where you feel like there is a peace? Um, if there's not, that's totally fine too, but um, there's also um, maybe it's a point of thinking about how can I pray um, or question, questioning those, those, what does it look like for the kingdom of God to come here? What does it look like for healing in this situation for this person? Um, so yeah, let's just take maybe like two minutes or, you know, a couple minutes here to, to talk about that around the table, and then we'll come together and we'll sing a few songs before we close. <laughs>